Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Exit shite. Enter night. Hello. It's episode 214 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting. I am here with the Sandman-tastic Mark Blankenship. Hi, Mark. Here comes the devil in your sleep. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't know what came over me. I feel that we must um, put aside our senses of humor to to talk about the listener request that we're talking about today. Not because of the listener, but because of the content and the uh, artists behind it. Mark, (laughs) what are we, what are we fleeing from today? Oh my God. So Sarah, we never talk in advance about what we think of these songs, but I can already tell you that we're on the same fucking page. Okay. Chris F., our listener, Chris F., hello, you requested Enter Sandman by Metallica, and we thought, why the fuck not? Let's talk about that. I mean, it's Christmas time when we're releasing this episode, and we just (laughs) talked about a musical theater song and a Leonard Nimoy cover of Proud Mary. What goes better with those two great tastes than Enter Sandman by Metallica? Merry fucking Christmas, everybody. (laughs) Yes. Call the Yankee bullpen. Get an Alfred, Yes, because please. this song has been frequently used in baseball games. Well, I think without further ado, Sarah, before we go any further, let's just jump right into the clip. This is Enter Sandman by Metallica. Sarah, okay. I'd like to, if I may, may I just give a, an impassioned spoken word recitation of the verse that we just heard? Yes, please. Um, before you begin, my first note on this song was, of course, there's a fucking dragon. <laughs> please proceed. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Something's wrong. Shut the light. Heavy thoughts tonight, and they aren't of Snow White. Dreams of war, dreams of liars, dreams of dragons, fire, and of things that will bite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they aren't of reminds Snow me White. Of my uh, great good friend, John Monroe, who is now a professor of French philology at Iowa State University, reading like off the back of a malt liquor bottle. That he would read it like complete with line breaks. He was really good at it. I hope he still does that for his students. It was amazing. Um, I I have to say, this is the first time I've ever really paid attention to the lyrics of Enter Sandman. And I did not realize, Sarah, how silly 
this is. It's a silly fucking song. It's, I mean, it's extremely self-serious and gothy in that way that only goths can be self-serious. And it's like, they just throw every possible synonym for dark or black. Like, I'm surprised there wasn't a cobweb in there. Like, I mean, here's the thing, though. I think that this actually is like, this is a really good song. I yes. enjoyed listening to it. And then if you pay too close attention to the lyrics, de- you know, down you go. <laughs> um, enter Harold Bloom man. But um, there, here's the issue with taking this song at face value uh, almost 30 years after it came out. There are two huge, huge cultural forces it is yoked to that are both things that I pay attention to. And one is that this was um, the entrance music of probably the greatest reliever who ever lived, Mariano Rivera of the New York Yankees. This would play every time he ran in from the bullpen and uh, opposing batters most of the time were completely fucked. Um, He will be in the Hall of Fame. I think he already is in the Hall of Fame. He's also a MAGA guy, whatever. Um, we we try not to pay attention to baseball players' politics. It is almost always a disappointment. <laughs> Except for you, Sean Doolittle. Love you. Um, the other thing is a true crime thing, and that Metallica was like very involved in scoring um, the Paradise Lost documentaries about the West Memphis Three, mm. um, that these were the kids who were wearing Metallica t-shirts and that that was considered proof of Satanist tendencies that could be submitted in court and like all of that story. So you got baseball and you got true crime that this song and this band are yoked to in my mind and then there's the fact that with the understanding that i really don't i really don't think i have a any grasp structurally of what differentiates heavy metal from just like hard rock right like i I think there's like a time signature issue i think there's a distortion issue like i i did reading for this episode to try to um, like connect to the conversation on that level. I, I still don't get it. So here's what I'm coming away with is that like, this song is good. Like I like the guitars. I like the harmonies. I like that. There's this sort of like melodramatic, you know, Viking narrative (laughs) happening in the dreamscape or whatever the fuck. (laughs) But I feel like this song is also the nay plus ultra of heavy metal. That it's like, it contains all the elements. If you were going to write a heavy metal song, it would probably sound like this. Like, heavy metal sort of B-roll filler will sound like this. Um, So, uh, like, it's almost impossible to assess the song as the song because I have probably heard it just in passing, thinking about other aspects of the culture 2,000 times is A, and B, because it is so much its genre, it's almost indistinguishable to me from anything else in the genre whose structural principles I don't claim to understand. 
Fair so enough, yeah. I think it's an excellent legendary song. I think the fact that it sounds like every other heavy metal song probably actually means that every other heavy metal song sounds like it. Yes. Which, congrats. But, you know, we're all familiar with the um, utterly humor-free performance in life of Mr. James Hetfield at Al and the fact that the band had to go to therapy with itself and all this bullshit. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, didn't they make a documentary about how they were yeah. all in therapy together? Yeah. Which is like, uh, okay. That, I mean, I, th- good for you. Like maybe coworkers should do that more often. I'm not, I'm definitely not shading therapy. I've been in it most of my life, but it's like, there's just a, um, there's just a lack of wit here that's set. like you're singing about dragons and Sandman, like maybe a wink anywhere in your entire oeuvre, but no, I don't think so. So great song, legendary song, but it's like, I don't know. It's like carved in stone. It's like on Olympus already. And I, I feel like I can't access the way that it made people feel 30 years ago when it first arrived. So you've really hit on something that I is defining my experience of this song now, because I had not sat down to consciously listen to enter Sandman. Well, I don't think I've ever actively thought I'm going to choose to listen to enter Sandman now, but I hadn't really listened (laughs) to the song. I'm trying to imagine. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. What would have to happen that it's like, (laughs) <laughs> like I just got the, my little um, streaming music update on all of my most listened to songs of the year and half of them are country women and the other half are Dua Lipa. So I'm not sure where Enter Sandman really fits in, <laughs> into that, but okay. But this was the first time I had paid attention to it actively because it was rather inescapable when it first came out. I mean, it, this motherfucking video was on MTV every five oh, seconds. Oh God, yeah. With the like the kid running in his pajamas and then uh-huh. all of the strobe light effects of the band's faces and their long hair and all that shit. And this was the first time I realized that this song is silly. And it was actually kind of liberating for me because of what you just said. This is the most humorless band. They just are humorless. And all of their fans are humorless. And that is just my read on... Metallica and heavy metal in general is that you're never ever allowed to have fun. There's also this is sort of a this is sort of a random conclusion to draw that I mean, let me know if this makes any sense. And I'm not trying to impugn Messieurs Ulrich Hetfield et al. Do we cheat him and how? But there just seems Like whenever you watch any performance of theirs or listen to the music and you sort of think about like Hesher culture, like it's it's no girls allowed. Yes. It it just seems like there's this extremely melodramatic um, Valkyrie like fantasy novel, like so many creatures with wings and extra teeth. Like that's the whole sort of like heavy metal world. It's like we'd, we wrote these sort of fairy tales for 15 year old boys and put a lot of super loud guitar on it. And, but no girls, no queer people, just like boys 
with long hair singing about the Wendigo. Like, guys, <laughs> you need us. We actually understand club. more than you believe exactly the aesthetic that you're going for here. And in fact, if it, you would yeah, allow us... So... Sorry, go ahead. No, if you would allow some other folks to come in with maybe some different perspectives on this material, you might actually have more fun in your life because the, you, you don't have to always be so goddamn serious and uh, angry when you, yeah. when you sing about the bridge troll that is trying to kill the Billy Ghost Gruff. Well, really, that it's like St. Elmo's fire. Like, it, it's a blob of light that is probably due to hallucinations from scurvy. Like... Can we just take a step back and and think about what we're talking about? And then can we not alienate everyone who's not like walking around with a notebook in front of his boner and a mullet? <laughs> well, and that's the that's the thing that I just because I didn't ever look too closely at this music when I when it was originally out because it was so clearly not meant for me. I yeah, didn't same I didn't, same same. Exactly. Yeah. And so now, taking a moment to look closely at it, because it's on our damn show and we'll look as closely as we like, I realize, oh, this was always, there was always a way into this music for me. It just wasn't through the lens of the people who were its biggest fans. Because to me, this is a, like you said, I think this is a great song. The hook is good. The guitar sounds great. The chorus is really hummable and fun. And if you, if I feel like, if I just look at this song as a very loud but very silly, breezy pop song. And I know that that is anathema. Like you're never supposed to say right. that Metallica is, but but this is actually a pop song. It is a pop song that fucking references Snow White. Like there is, there is a legible and legitimate way to look at this song and think of it as kind of fun because no song yes. that mentions Snow White is completely divorced of fun. Well, and it's so weird that like a, a genre or like a subgenre that starts with bands like Kiss and evolves through Twisted Sister through guys who were like, yeah, they were horn dogs who were probably guilty of statutorily raping young groupies, but at least they understood the camp yes. of what they were doing. That it's like, we wear a ton of makeup. These are 17 inch platforms. Look how, look how cool I look. Like, yeah. I'm David. I'm David Lee Roth in a like my my shirt is cut down to here. I'm wearing a, a ton of hairspray. Great. Yeah, like Poison. All of those Cinderella. Like those bands weren't. They're just like our name is Cinderella. Like I'm pretty sure they got <laughs> like all of the all of the faces of this camp performance, but also like they were pretty good songs too. Yeah, and not every rose has a song, but we'll get into it. And because this song came out in the early '90s, and it was kind of a direct response to hair metal, I feel like yeah. it was it was harder to see that it had a lot of the same DNA. But now, with the remove of decades, I think we can look at it and be like, "Yeah, this song is also like those songs." Yeah, but just this like the the ponderous atmosphere and that you just yes. sort of like you have to like every dream is a nightmare like well no no not really and also you're talking about a fucking dragon you must must lighten up you must <laughs> 
And like, but I mean, the way you put it is like, this is clearly not for me. That's exactly it. Right. Like, like and then, you know, having a younger brother who was also like teaching himself guitar and getting into this stuff. And he was more in a jam band space at this time, but like he knew Metallica and all of these bit and like, um, Queens Reich or Queens of the Stone Age. Like, it's really amazing how many queen names there are. In these <laughs> bands that are like all dudes named Chet. But it's like, at least there was like some wit and some humor and some like, we are playing our guitars really loud. And that's for everybody who wants to be a part of that and just bang their heads, which sometimes you want to do. But Metallica just always seemed like you, you chicks don't get it. Or like yeah. we're not serious enough to like play with Metallica, which is like you know, I mean, if you want to be this bombastic, you have to, you have to, like, we have to see your teeth, <laughs> not the pointy ones. Like, you have to smile sometimes and enjoy that what you are doing is musical theater. Yes, and and in the truest sense, it is highly theatrical. Again. Snow White and dragons are in your lyrics. It is theatrical. Yeah, like you, your hair is as long as Rapunzel's, James Hetfield, in this video. <laughs> this is making me think about Judas Priest and how the lead singer <laughs> yes. Rob Hetfield, not not Hetfield, uh, what's his name? Well, Hetrick? Hetrick, yes. Something like that. The lead singer of Judas Priest Hat-trick, is... Heifer? I'll look it up. <laughs> Keep talking. Uh, Halloween. Um... The lead singer of Judas Priest is gay, and I think that it makes Judas Priest um, a little bit more interesting to me because they have a very robust sense of their own campiness. And you, I just think that you're right. Sarah, Halford. Halford, yes. So Rob Halford, openly gay, really campy, owning it. And it's just like, Metallica, could you just have like one moment, like you said, where you wink at us? And I do not count the albums that they made where they re-recorded their music with a symphony, that's just pretentious in a different way. Um, I have some, uh, I have some information about Rob Halford. Oh, yes. Um, and I feel like maybe we should talk about a Judas Priest song because holy shit. Okay. So every picture that comes up on like the first, if you Google Judas Priest, Rob, all of these pictures come up in which he and the entire band are dressed like the roughest of rough trade. <laughs> um, people also ask, who is Rob Halford's boyfriend? Here is the answer. Not surprisingly, Halford ended up with an ex-Marine named Thomas Pence, who he met when he answered Pence's ad looking for companionship. I really don't think that's what the ad said, but okay. I guarantee you it wasn't. The couple have been together for 25 years, and then this is based on information from page6.com in a piece headlined, Judas Priest frontman Rob Halford details threesomes in new memoir titled Confess. It came out a couple of months ago. Christmas is coming, Mark. <laughs> so to speak. Do right by me. I, let me just go over, go ahead and uh, add that to my Amazon cart. Um, The other thing that I'm also thinking about now is that, again, I feel like at the time, especially in 1992, Metallica fans would have rioted had I made the suggestion to them. But the distance between Metallica and Tori Amos is not that far. (laughs) No, it's really not. Like, 
it's the, the the instrumentation is different, but the length of the hair, the seriousness of the intent, and the uh, affection for fantasy imagery, all there. But like you just said, mm. sometimes also Tori Amos Enya. will tell a joke. Metallic Kenya, make it happen, universe. <laughs> I mean, I'm done. Like, they, <laughs> ah, like I got nothing left for these dudes. I, I really don't. Like, I, I mean, it it is a great song. I think it has become um, greater than it looks on paper just because of its associations and because it really taps into the heart of what makes modern metal modern metal. But yeah. because of that, it doesn't bring me the... Um, like there's a song by Queens of the Stone Age called Threes and Sevens, I think, or maybe that's the album that it's on. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'll put this in the show notes when I have a second to look it up. But the opening guitar break is like so infectious. It's like kind of showing off, but it's like it that's legit. And then they just like get into this really thrashy song, and it's like, this is really fun. Like, I love to listen to that in the car on the highway and uh, you know, that like just to have some fun. It's like grunge actually, which was coming at the, you know, which was like at the same time, I think yeah. Metallica resented being discussed in the same conversations, but it's like, this is the same fundamental problem with grunge, which was slightly more listenable, but also nobody ha- was able to experience joy except Candlebox. Don't be like that. <laughs> and it's like makes me remember why I like Green Day so yeah. much because Green Day makes great rock music, but Green Day also has and Green Day makes sweeping political concept albums, but they also have a good time. Like there's a song on American Idiot, which we should probably rank at some point. But anyway, mm. there's a song on American Idiot where somebody just goes, nobody likes you. Everybody hates you. Let's just go eat worms. Like, great. Thank thank you. you for that the moment whole album. Of- Dookie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> precisely. Metallica would never, like, I'm just trying to imagine how you would get Hetfield to name an album something like Turd. <laughs> there was some album that the cover art on the album, I think the album was called Load, and the cover <laughs> art was a mixture of semen and blood. And it's just like, you're so, almost, buddy, almost, but you just had to go right and fuck it up at the end. Oh, ouch. Yeah. Mm. You know, for kids. For kids. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. I also edit the podcast, which is a proud member of the Believe Network. Learn more at BLEAV.com. 
To learn more about us, submit song requests, get a pop chart reading, or buy a Mastis book, visit our website at markandsarahtalkaboutsongs.com. You'll also find all of our social media links there, too. That's Mark and Sarah, with an H, talkaboutsongs.com. And for even more content and access to the Mastass Happy Hour, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash Mastass. Thanks for listening. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.